You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, recently I had a conversation with one of my buddies. He's kind of a, a truck nut, a car nut, and he told me that Interstate Batteries makes, from a technical standpoint, some of the best car batteries on the market, period, hands down. Not only that, but they have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in to a local retail store, ask the guy who works there about their car batteries, and hell, you might as well put one in if they're the best in the business. So interstatebatteries.com is their website. Go there, find out more information about the culture of the company, the batteries that these guys carry, or just stop into a, a local retail store. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Today, I have Skip Peterson on the podcast, the director of operations for Gearhead Archery. I wanted to get Skip on because I've had a fair number of questions and comments about Gearhead after buying one this spring. And I've, of course, only had a decent amount of experience with the B24, but less so with all of their other models. And I can tell by certain conversations that when some people think of Gearhead, their mind goes back to some generalizations about the bows from way back when they first came onto the scene, which might not necessarily apply to their current lineup, like draw length ranges and extended releases, that type of thing. Skip's absolutely a wealth of knowledge, and I enjoyed diving into the company's background as well as specifics about all of their various bow models. And before we get started... One quick ad, and that is for Onyx. As most of you guys know, I've been using Onyx for years as my primary platform for not only browsing public and private land boundaries at the 10,000 foot view on my phone, but also mapping and color coding waypoints, trails, geotagging photos of rubs, or taking notes specific to certain setup locations. Use the code DIY for a discount on the Onyx Hunt app. All right, on the podcast today, I have Skip from Gearhead Archery. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Doing good. Yourself? I'm doing not too bad. Can't really complain. Um, so most of my listeners already know, you know, a couple of weeks after ATA this year, uh, I went and bought a, a, you know, B24 from you guys uh, and have been mm -hmm. experimenting with it and shooting it all, you know, probably, you know, five days a week, testing various different things. And, you know, I'm really liking it so far. Um, but to start off this podcast, but I wanted to you know, get a little bit deeper information on is just a little bit of background about the company itself. Cause you've been with gearhead for uh, quite a while and just, you know, talk about a little bit of the history and what's kind of led up to this point. Yeah. Well, we started, I mean, a lot of the listeners don't know, we actually started gearhead back in 2008 and we were mostly just making conceptual bows that we were trying to sell the technology to other bow manufacturers because it was just a couple of us and it, it you know it's just to start a bow company you need an army and um you know from that you know we ended up selling a a, a package of patents and stuff to another company and i haven't seen anything hit the market yet but i i got a feeling that in the next couple of years you're going to see some of the stuff that um that we helped i i did the the machining my <clears throat> my contribution and i was the machinist and i did the um, my partner did the design and I did the machining. We just kind of went from one boat to another. We ended up with about 14 different prototypes and, and that's, that's what we went from there. And then, and then we, um, we were in the backpack style hunting. So we, we didn't really look at what else was out there. We were just making bows that we wanted to hunt with. And, you know, we wanted something super small and lightweight, compact that we could walk in five, six miles and it wasn't, you know, a lug to, to carry and we could put it in a backpack and all that. So that's our very first bow that we um, went to market with as, as a company to sell to consumers 
was our T18, and you know it was only 18 inches, 18 and a half inches axle to axle, and um, and <laughs> that's what we went to market with. Where a lot of bow companies that come off a bigger bow and they they're trying to make them smaller, we actually came out with the smallest bow we could <laughs> and still hold a peep location. And then progressively, we've we've gotten bigger. <laughs> so I just we kind of did a little bit backwards on that. But, yeah. Um, you know, but it's just and I think making a bow small it, it's made it the transition to make bigger bows that shoot well easier than going from big to small i think starting out the smallest you can do and go bigger i think the transition has been easier to go small to big and and some of those original models that you had like the t18 you know at the time they were pretty limited in draw lengths right but now the yeah. since you've gone bigger that's kind of you know not really an issue yeah. anymore yeah the, the first i mean one of our our first big mistakes was on the T18 is we only made it one draw length. We made it a 25 inch draw and we designed these releases where you could get into your draw length based on the length of your release. Well, you know, nobody wants to shoot a weird looking release. It's got this long caliper thing out there. Everyone has their favorite release, whether it be a Scott or a true fire or, or you name it, you know? And, um, so what does we, uh, we designed, bigger cams that will allow you to get more strength to, to get some longer draw lengths out of it. So that, that actually our T18 right now goes from a 25 inch up to a, a 29 inch uh, draw length on our T18 right now. And it's just, it's basically, it's, it's a cam specific draw length and, and that's how we, we get to longer draws. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that with the, with the specific cams at those draw lengths, does that, and maybe this is maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit, but do you find that those draw length specific cams end up giving you a decent amount of efficiency compared to a cam, like a single cam that would allow you to span that entire draw length range? Mm-hmm. I, I actually like the draw length specific cams and, and the, the two gearheads I shoot, I sh- actually shoot the T18 and the T24. And um, I just like the draw cycle in, in the T series. It's, it's not as, um, as front loading as on the on the B, where you have that big adjustability. But but I know I'm a 29 and I know I'm a 70 pound, so I'm not looking for adjustability. I'm just I'm looking for something that's that's consistent, the same. You know, nothing to come out of time or nothing. You know, everything is is just it's it's fixed. And that and those are the two bows that I'm shooting right now. Is actually the T18 T24. Okay, that makes sense for for myself. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the T24, I shoot the carbon just because I like the lightweight, and that's kind of like my elk hunting out west rig is my is my T24. Right. Do you feel like? Well, I'll, I'll save this for later. I want to ask about the carbon specifically, but <laughs> but I think okay. before we before we get to that point, um, yeah. for, for people who haven't seen the bows, definitely Google a picture of what they look like, uh, because one other thing that's very unique to you guys is that riser design, uh, where you just basically mm-hmm. have those two bridged you know plates essentially that are connected together. And I'm assuming you guys start with like a quarter inch, just, you know, flat sheets of, you know, aluminum, it right? Is. And then you're, you're yep. just cutting those out and then bolting them together. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it starts out as, um, as plate material. It's a 70, 75 grade aluminum, which has twice the tensile strength and twice the fatigue strength is a 60, 61 for people that are into the material side of things. And then we take it a step further. We actually hard coat anodize it. So it puts this armored shell around it. So it really, we really put a lot of effort into the, the strength of our riser, uh, both in materials and in the in the post um, post uh, production with that. Um, you know, the thing is, the, the design of that riser actually is more of a, I don't say a mistake, but I mean, when when we were designing this, that we were in Buffalo, Wyoming, and I had all manual equipment. I didn't have CNC equipment available to me, so like everything that I was machining. Um, was done on a manual mill. So it was very difficult to make an elaborate type of a riser, but I could take two plates and I could give it locations for um, where the limbs attach and where, you know, the limb bezel is and stuff like that. And I could put horizontal members so I could actually create that easily on, on the manual equipment. Um, and that kind of led us down the path to where we are today, you know, just like, so it's almost like, you know, it's kind of meant meant to be that way where, where we were, yeah, it's just, I didn't have. Yeah. It definitely looks, it definitely looks intentional now when you look at it now yeah, and you're it thinking like, it does. Yeah. oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm telling people all the time, especially when like we look at, uh, you know, like camera arm designs or anything, you know, if you get a, 
you spread that material out and even have a thinner wall tubing, but it's, you know, deeper and wider, it's going to be a lot stiffer than the same weight material if it's all, you know, compact, um, you know, and even like a solid tube. So it definitely makes sense from the stiffness aspect. And and I've been doing some uh, recording at, you know, a thousand frames a second, roughly. And, you know, you can see when you fire the shot, the cable guards moving in and out and the strings vibrating in slow motion, but that riser is just like rock solid. Right, right. And if you notice too, like other other bow companies, the the tendency is kind of going that way. I don't know if you kind of notice that bows mm-hmm. are getting wider, yep. and then more people are actually using the terminology bridge. You know, and it's like our basically our whole riser is a bridge. You know, but you, you see the people are machining little bridges and stuff in it to give it the the stability and the strength and 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 stuff into the riser. Where you know, like a lot of times too, like some of those real fancy ones are sometimes if they had a a piece of riser would come back well it, basically when when you machine a chunk of metal it's full of stresses so as you're machining stuff away like if i have to do to do like a belly cut on a piece of aluminum i know that the tops and the bottoms are going to go in the direction that i take the material away from by by doing the two side plates and then bolting it together the material you're kind of taking the stresses out you're all you're doing is removing the weight that you don't need and, and design it to have better balances and stuff so you're kind of you're not faced with those difficulties of, of okay is, is the top going to move this way or that way and then once you put 70 pound limbs on is what where's the material going to go there you know that's why tuning and stuff becomes you know so critical on some of the other bows and then you know even making it from right to left handed some some bows based on their their forgings and stuff they don't lend themselves well to a left-handed bow just from the from the material aspect of it so that's why some of them have a little bit more difficulty than others interesting but yeah that's just what i've seen and i mean i've noticed too that your guys's risers compared to the overall axle <clears throat> axle length with the exception of maybe the b34 for the most part they're very long risered and very short lived, like, you know, just a parallel limb. So it's, yeah. you look at it, it's a lot of riser, a little bit of limb. And I, I see that kind of a trend also in a lot of the other bows on the market where it's more riser. Yeah, I, I think our our limbs are like 12 inches, and we have some that are 13, but I, some, some are even going smaller. And I think some have some like 10-inch limbs or even small. Some of them are really getting um, short on the limbs. And what, what are the kind of the biggest advantages that you find with going that route? as opposed to having a shorter riser and longer limbs? Oh, well, if you look at the limbs, the limbs are of variance. You know, like if you, if you can make them shorter, they're, they're further more predictable where they're going to go. If you start getting longer limbs, um, you know, cam lean, stuff like that, if you can take it and you grab your cam, you can twist it just the longer you make it, the more the more moving and inconsistency you're going to get with that limb. If you can keep it shorter and stiffer, it's just, you know, it's more consistent. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And you're, you're keeping the, you're keeping the bulk of the material where you know it's going to be consistent and then just like leaving the stuff, you know, is going to vary a lot as minimal as it can be. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're you're also, you're you're also the tendency is the limbs are getting a little bit wider too on, on the split, on the split ones. You know, they're, it seems like they're getting, I think some are probably pushing seven eighths of an inch, three quarters, seven eighths wide now and they're getting thinner. You know, they're they're just kind of changing the, the, the geometry of them a little bit yep but but well you know there's there's so much so many people out there have great minds all trying to build a better mousetrap and trying to make things better and in you know everyone's looking for that little bit of edge to give them into the marketplace to say hey look look at look at my product you know and that's that's always going to be the case you know i mean you look at these companies how much how many cams they burn a year you know, just to kind of pick up a little bit more, you know, five feet per second or just a little bit more, you know, it's just, it's because it, it matters to, to the consumer. Right. Absolutely. Well, and what's interesting too, I, I think for you guys is you look at your bows and it's not just like a, Hey, we're going to join the archery industry too. Like it's, it's different. It's not, it, you know, so um, removed at first <laughs> glance from everything else that's on the market. Um, definitely unique in that aspect. Well, we were kind of, I mean, we just were building the bow that, that we wanted to hunt with. I mean, and it's like, we didn't have all this background knowledge. I mean, we're basically, we're learning as, as we were going where we're, you know, the main, our parent company is we make robotic equipment, you know? So, I mean, this is just something that we are doing out of the love of archery and, you know, trying to, you know, make, give us an advantage for, like I said, backpacking in, we wanted to be lightweight and, 
and um and then from there you know we've progressively gotten bigger and then um and then we started getting into the target side of things and, and everyone said well we need a longer bow you know so then we, we started getting up into the 36 range for the top end and then we went up actually went up to a 40 inch but i i still think our 36 shoots better than our 40. it just seems that it just holds a lot better than the and it fires better than the 40. but oh, interesting you know, that's just that's just what i feel and what uh the people that shoot it feel too you know just like yeah the 36 holds amazing so um i know i guess i when i talk to people and there's they're in question i usually i usually just tell them what other people tell me about the 36. Yeah, I, I have heard that from other people also about just not necessarily your bows, but just bow brands in general. Like you get to that level, you you know what feels the best and you know what fits you the best. And, and somebody mm-hmm. might have a a particular favorite that might not be the best on paper, but they shoot the best with it or, you know, feels the best. Right. Them. You know, the, the thing about archery is, is everyone wants something different. It's not like one size fits all. It's like it's everyone wants this you know it's a certain axle to axle or a certain different string angle feel or you know i want to put the successor it's just it's it's a very unique industry because everyone everyone wants their own unique thing and it's just you know you just try to please as many people as you can yep so you mentioned both you know obviously hunting and target bows and you know across those and there's obviously some crossover you know between the two fields you have the t series the b series and now, you know, the newest one would be the Disruptor series. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of go through and explain what some of the differences and, and what some of the commonalities are between those different bow series. So the, the T-series basically has no adjustability. The limbs are pinned in the front, so you, you can't adjust your weight. You can maybe twist up your crossover cable a little bit. You can get a little bit of variance or put a bit more, a little bit more preload on the limbs. But in essence, you're, you can change your, your draw weight or your draw length. It's, it's, basically built for you so if you know that i want to shoot 70 pounds and a 29 inch draw you know that bow you know is built for you you can put a slider grip on it where you can you can change your brace height and you can change your draw length in um quarter inch increments either a half inch forward or an inch and a quarter back and you can also move it um left to right to, um to help with your grip torque so you can, you can put that slider grip on in any of our bows there's there's three different types you know you got your standard you got your flat back and uh you have the 1911 which we we pull from the gun world which people have been pointing the 1911 for a a lot of years um so basically the the t-series is is, it's just a non-adjustable bow and then um that was a problem for us with dealers because when you looked at having a non-adjustable bow and then all the different color options and packs and stuff we ended up with like seven thousand SKUs, and it wasn't um it was very friendly for the dealer. If, if you're going to a dealer to buy gearhead, the chances of them having something that you that, that fitted you was wasn't so good. You know, you right. have to custom order it and stuff like that. So the, the B series came about because of non-adjustability of the T series. So when you get into the the B series, I mean, and and you have the the B24, you can you can literally that that cam has a rotational module. That will um, you can adjust your draw length in half inch increments uh, for four and a half inches, and then with the slider grip on it, you can move your grip a half inch forward and an inch and a quarter back. So in in essence, you you can go from four to about six uh, six inches of adjustability and and draw length on that, and then you have the choice of a uh, it comes like the rotational mod. It has a string stop um, on it. But it also has locations for a limb stop. So if you want a super hard back wall, you can put your limb stop a little bit in front of your string stop. If you want it spongier, you can you can pull that back a bit and let your um your string stop catch the string before that. So you can actually play with your lead off quite a bit on on the B series as well. And then it comes with ten pounds of weight adjustment, and it has three different string posts where you can actually change the um the feel of your draw cycle. So like we, we, we ship them from the factory at the BB setting, which is a good combination of, of speed and draw cycle. But if you want it to load faster, you want more speed, you can put it in the C post and just the rotation of the cam. It, it loads up a little bit quicker on that. Or if you want it a softer or a comfort type of a draw cycle, you can put it to the A post. So you got, you got some options there too. And just moving to the post, that will also change your draw length a little bit. 
but it it also um, will change your draw weight like four to five pounds too. So there's just uh, there's just there's so much adjustability with that B series. I mean, and we made it so anyone that came into a shop, you could set that bow up to fit pretty much anyone that walks in your door. Oh yeah, I, I can say for sure. I mean, one of the first things that I did when I got my bow is I basically just I mapped it out, right? I just I went and went through every single string post and every single draw mod position and measured mm-hmm. the the string angle and shot it through a chrono and just mapped out the energy for every one of those positions just so that I and then I could kind of go through and say okay well at this brace height I can hit my draw like just made like a a swipe through all those numbers to say okay here's my options I can pick from for me and then just look at it on sure. paper and be able to say okay well you know this one's maybe a little bit faster but this one has a little bit you know more mild string angle and then obviously with shooting it, uh, be able to kind of fine tune. And now I'm at a point where I'm really happy with the way it's shooting right now. And I, f- I feel like I have settings that fit me really well, but just having that, those options is, you know, it's fantastic right. for a guy like me who likes to play around with that kind of stuff. And that's, and that's the thing you have people like you that want to play with it. You have people like me that just want to set it and forget it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just, it's just kind of like, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not broken. We'll fix it. I just, I just shoot it like this, you know? So but um, so so that kind of took us to the B. Well, then uh, this year we came up with a disruptor, which is a combination of the B series and the T series. So basically, it has a little bit of adjustability in your weight. We actually have 15 pounds of weight adjustment. So um, in different limits, we can go from 55 to 70 or 45 to 60, and and so forth on that. So we we give you 15 pounds of weight adjustment. You still have your um, uh, you can adjust your let off with your with your limp stop, and you can put a slider grip on it to get some draw length adjustability. But it, it basically it was a a combination, uh, more or less a, a price point bow too, where we could get the price of the bows down to uh, like the Disruptor 24. It's it uh, retails for 7.49, and I guess our mentality was to, to try to give the consumer more than what they would expect. You know, give them uh, a bow that typically it'd be like a thousand dollars for like 749 and you know that's kind of the the mentality i mean we used to be stupid expensive um but then we retooled the machine shop and did some some other um well just a way to do business we started buying things in bigger quantities and and just started ramping up where we could beat some costs down and and we took a little bit in shorts as well but i mean it's just like i i want to sell bows and i don't think price should be a deterrent from shooting a gearhead. You know? So, I mean, we, we really put the gear prices in, in line to, to be, you know, give the customer more than they expect. Yeah, absolutely. And in this world, in this day and age, it seems like it's really hard to find a flagship bow that's under a thousand bucks. Uh, so be able to have those options like the disruptor and even the T-series, I believe is even less expensive if, if a guy knows exactly what he wants. Yeah. Like, like a T-18 is about 599. I mean, we really pushed the, the price down on that, but I mean, it just depends on yeah, your style of hunting. I mean, the, the saddle, it, it's kind of weird because we, we came out with the small bow and it just seemed so hard for people to, to grasp the smaller size. So we started making them bigger and then we started, you know, getting more of a footing in that. I mean, if you look at like Vegas, where I kind of wanted to do well at Vegas. So we put a high contingency out there and we ended up winning it, uh, like two years ago, and then we've been lowering our contingency since. We've, <laughs> we've, 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 we've won Vegas like three years in a row in the bow hunter class, and two years ago we swept the podium with, and the one that won it was a T24 Carbon, actually won the bow hunter class at Vegas wow. with, with, with 322 competitors, and there was like eight people shooting gearhead, and we had uh, we had five in the top the top ten. So, I mean, there's, there's something about it that it just – keeping the, you know, shoot through riser design and, and the way everything's constructed, it's just, it's just, I find it's, it's a joy to shoot. Oh yeah. There's, there's very little, if any hand shock, I, I haven't put a, I haven't put a wrestling on the bow. It doesn't matter if I'm shooting at the flat range or if I'm shooting from an elevated position, I just mm-hmm. find that I don't need it. Yeah. There, uh, Schaefer's that makes the, the Schaefer rest over Minnesota. He hit a customer buy one in, he had a very. He came up with a really cool way to put a sling on it. So he, he actually takes the where our dead end string stop um, comes through it. It can slide back and forth because when you're changing the brace height, you have to be able to adjust your dead end string stop. Mm, yep. Um, he 
uh, for that customer, he he needed to shoot a, 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 a sling on it. And he came up with a really inventive way to, to put that right on the, the front where our, our slider grip is. And the guy was really happy with it. And he sent me some pictures and that. And I'm thinking, all right, maybe we need to try to integrate this into, into our our design here a little bit, but it was, it was, it's, it's like he tapped the, the front end of the, the, the sliding dead end string stop. And then he put, um, he put like the, the sling attachment to the front of that and it, it worked really slick. Huh. So basically you could, you could adjust that brace height and not have to, you know, necessarily readjust your, yeah. your grip or your sling. The, the sling went with it, you know, so that was, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty slick. Huh. Yeah. That so. makes, that makes sense. Um, one thing I'll probably end up doing, um, you know, just in terms of like overall bow length with the, the 24, one of the reasons I didn't want to go with like a 20 when I was shooting them uh, was number one, I felt like I could live with the string angle on the 24, but then mm-hmm. also I was thinking, well, I'm a quiver on type of guy when I'm hunting typically. And if I have right. a, like an 18 or a 20 inch bow and then I'm, you know, strapping 28 inch arrows to the side of it, like, am I really gaining, <laughs> am I gaining that much? So then the 24 seemed like a nice uh, kind of balance, but I may... I may, you know, after shooting it a lot without a quiver, I think I may just start to become one of those guys who takes his quiver off once he's up in the tree and, and take full advantage. I actually hung up a cat quiver where, you know, you put it on your back and then you, you put the arrows up into this, uh, it's just a containment area. And like when I'm out West and that, that's just what I've always done. And you can kind of reach around your back and push up a little bit and the arrow comes out and you can, I mean, that's, I, I've been shooting that same quiver for over 20 years. I think and it's just, it's just something that I've just, I've always done. I, I haven't had a quiver on my bow and probably since high school days. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, it seems to help too with, with crosswinds uh, for sure. Just being, yeah. not having that extra quiver of arrows sitting on the side for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, then we end up getting, you know, so we went from the T series to the, to the B series and disruptor on the, on the vertical side, but then, we did get into the crossbow side of things when I was going around to the different uh, stores and stuff and trying to, to get into more shops. Um, we made a, sh- a stop at Shields in Eau Claire, and, and they, they said, you know what, if you guys could get into the crossbow industry, you could get a crossbow under five pounds, you guys would own the industry. So we went back and put the engineers on that, and we, we made one out of carbon fiber, you know, all decked out and stuff. We were ended up bare crossbow without the the silencers and stuff we were like at 4.5 pounds or something like that so we, we were all excited we went back to shields and showed them what we had accomplished and and stuff and it you know we were shooting three 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 fifty three sixty for for speed but we had it designed so the the cams uh you can easily cock it with your hands huh. you know you don't need a roll cocker you can literally just reach down and 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 you pull it through, and it's got like a lead off in it, and it comes back in the trigger box. But pretty nice. But you know, we had chat with them. They're just like, you know, yeah, we like it's just something's happened since uh, you guys went and worked on this. Uh, the Ravens come out, and everyone wants one. <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of like it's almost like we were a year behind on <laughs> on our design on our crossbow. But you know, the Ravens have been flying off shelves. But um, I, I mean. I, Everyone likes their own stuff. I love our crossbow. I love the maneuverability of it. I like that I can handcock it. I like that I shoot regular arrows out of that. I um, like, for instance, I'm shooting the Gold Tip Pro Hunters on that with almost. It's not quite a pin knock, but it's a, it's a unit knocker. It's a little bit smaller, but I like how that goes up, goes on there. And then we we shoot the the cock feather up, so we brought the whole system higher, so you're not pushing down so hard on your crossover cables. You're not getting the cable wear that you would see in other ones where you're pushing the, the cables down so far that there's a lot of force on them. So, you know, so we end up coming out with crossbow. We end up with uh, three different models of that. And, um, and then we end up coming out with a slingshot too. We met up with Tim Wells and, and he's just like, you guys need to make a better slingshot. So then he kind of put a bug in our ear and we put some engineers on that. And we come out with the T15 slingshot where it uses uh limb, material from the bow industry and then we have surgical rubber tubing so it uses that in combination to propel an arrow or for bow fishing and stuff and stuff like that we actually one guy took it and he shot the grand slam of turkeys with it he, he spent the whole spring john brown out of El, illinois he went all around and uh and got the grand slam with, nice. our, with our slingshot and i think we've killed three deer with it um 
you know, we kind of shorten the tubes up and we get up to about 45 pounds, but we don't shoot past 20 yards, but it, it does based on what your laws are in your states and some states it's legal and, and some people have used it for deer as well, but huh. mostly for bow fishing. Um, and then we made a little bit longer one where you can put a sight on it. Cause I, I like the short one. I like to shoot instinctively, but, uh, going to the shows and that you can just tell some people couldn't reference everything together. So we ended up making the arms a little bit longer so we could, we could put a, a sight on it as well to help people, um, just orientate it better and shoot. Boat fishing, that'd be a really good, a really good application for that. It always seems like you're getting in the way of stuff having a, a small compact rig like that and you're commonly snap shooting. It always seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And most of your shots are close. Yeah. Most of your shots are close and they're, they're all straight down or just out a little bit. So, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been more popular. And then, and then I got one time get, we started getting, we were getting orders like, like three or four a day. And finally one guy said, so where did you hear of us? He goes, well, someone from the prepping, the prepping uh, community made a post on what you guys got. So he said, I, I decided that we, we need to get one of these for, for just the, for preppers, you know, in case huh. they take our guns away and stuff. So just Interesting. Like, certain, certain things you don't even think about that, that kind of, it's like, I didn't really plan it for that, but it's, they'll take it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, and, and also too, like we kept on bigger now that saddle hunting it seems to be a buzz about that and, and people really like our smaller bows for the, for the saddle. Cause a lot of times they can take the bow underneath the saddle and they, it's just, it's, it's so maneuverable and they can put it in their pack and it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the, the saddle hunters have really been carrying a heavy load for us on, on our smaller bows. I mean, like the, even the twenties and the eighteens and 24s, they just seem to, that's the size they're looking for. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it makes sense from the standpoint that, Hey, it's more maneuverable up in the tree, um, which mm-hmm. seems to fit that type of system. Well, and historically it seems like, okay, well, if you go with a short bow like that, you must be giving up something. Maybe it's less forgiving. Maybe it's whatever. Um, I, I've been shooting mine out to 80 pretty consistently. And the way I have it set up right now, I'm shooting probably as good as, you know, any bow that I've had in the past. Um, so yeah. for what that's worth, uh, but then what I, what I think it really comes in handy with, uh, up in the tree with a saddle is I like to hunt in the cover if I can, a lot of times. So if there's, you know, a big open maple next to a, a, a you know, big thick Aspen with a whole bunch of branches going everywhere, I'm climbing up in that Aspen, I'm tucking in the branches. And there's been times where I have a deer come in at just a, a goofy angle or not quite where I'm expecting. And I go to draw my bow back and, and then the, you know, the top limb is in the way of a branch and you go in that kind of half squat and, end up right. it just never works out great so having just you know every inch can help in that regard so it's like as long as i can right. shoot it well and it's forgiving for me it's like yeah I'll, I'll take that extra advantage yeah even even ground blinds too like uh I used to guide out west a little bit and for like antelope hunters and never inevitably every year there's like two or three guys where their top limb would hit the top of their their blind and they'd end up shooting, you know, through the netting or through the blind where it, you know, they totally blow the shot. But I mean, with, with the smaller bow, I mean, that never even comes into play ever. Yeah. You know, really. Yeah. Well, and sitting on the ground too, like turkey hunting, there was, um, yeah. one trip I went running gunning with it. Um, and you get, you set up on like a field edge and it seems like the, once you get off the field edge and you kind of tuck back in that cover, you're always like a, fo- a couple feet below the level of the field. Um, and so mm-hmm. you might have a normal bow or that, uh, even if you're able to shoot it on flat ground sitting down, if you got that little bit of an elevation gain, now you're you know worried about hitting your cam in the dirt when you shoot. But with that right, 24 right. inch, it's like not an issue. Yeah, and and a lot of times, like too, where the turkeys don't even see a draw. Yeah, I mean, for me, I like to be out in the open, you know, where it doesn't feel like you're confined in a blind or or, or someone told me like, oh, I shot turkey with my bow. I'm like, well, are you in a blind? And I like, well, yeah, and I like to me shooting a turkey with a bow out of a blind isn't it's not as difficult as shooting a turkey with a shotgun out of a blind i mean the amount of degree that you can actually you know they can't see what you're doing in the blind they're just oblivious if you can hit a spot at 15 yards you're you know but to be out of the blind and be able to draw on a turkey i mean that's that's the ultimate challenge there oh yeah it's it's so i feel like half the time they can see me blink (laughs) i know yeah so, but yeah, you can, if you can kill one out of the blind with the bow, that's now you've done something. 
and is is it just the T series right now that has the option for carbon or aluminum on the riser? Yeah, yeah, it is just the the T series. What I found with the um the the carbon grip, see on on the on the B series, we built the cams with a little bit more power. They're a little bit more aggressive, and the the carbon grip on the the B series, I feel it flexing a little bit, which I don't like. So I, we haven't we haven't moved into the the B series with the carbon just because of, of that. Um, I just I can feel it flex a little on the grip on during during the draw cycle. Um, we have had a lot of people request like on the disruption that making that in a carbon and there's no reason we can't do it. I mean, it's just, it's the same material and you just route it out with, with the carbon. You have to run it about 30,000 RPMs. Otherwise it ships, you know, so you really got to get your RPMs up high. Um, I don't know. I think it seems like we're probably moving in that direction. Kind of it depends on what the customer wants. I mean, we're always trying to please the customer. If you get enough requests to do something like that, you know, you end up doing it. So, Right. It seems like weight is the obvious advantage with the, the carbon. Uh, but what mm-hmm. other kind of differences are there? Is is one, either the aluminum or the carbon, does one have more hand shock than the other? Um, carbon, I imagine, is warmer to the touch when you're carrying it. What are some of the other, I guess, differences, any noise difference between the two materials? Uh, I, without a meter, I don't, I mean, to my ear, I can't tell the difference. Um, actually though, you know, the warm to the touch in the cold weather definitely, definitely makes a difference. Um, I like that the carbon's a little bit lighter and, um, I don't know, just, it seems to be of a buzzword. I shoot carbon mode too, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, you know, I, I, I drive a, I drive a Tesla, I shoot carbon bow. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of, that kind of goes hand in hand too. The thing about our carbon bows is, you know, we, it's the same thing with the aluminum that's all machined. So the location for your, where your limb pockets are and, and how everything bolts up, they're all exactly the same. So like if we have a hundred of them on the shelf, they're all going to measure the same. Um, where in some of them where they're, they're cast in that, sometimes you can get them where they're off a little bit, or if you, you're putting the limb pocket on, you don't quite get it exactly right. Well, now it, it throws your limbs off to the left or the right. And if you're off, you know, 10,000 where the limit attaches by the time you get to back where your cam is, you know, you can be off a hundred thousands, you know, just it, it, the, it's very crucial for putting them together, um, with gluing and stuff. So, um, they're, they're just, they're machined to exacting tolerances. So that's kind of what helps in the final result. Yeah. And the, the carbon's a little bit more expensive, right? Just to say it's quite a bit more expensive than the aluminum, but a lot of that's just the material cost and just how expensive it is to machine, right? No, it's, it's all material cost. I mean, the, the machining and stuff is, that's all pretty much the same with, okay. uh, just like your, the plate that comes in, it's like 30 inches wide by, I think about 50 inches. And you just try to to get as much, as many risers out of it as possible. I mean, if you, you go with like maybe a T24, sometimes you can nest and get an extra T20 or something out of it. It's just, you're, you're just trying to utilize as much of the material as you can in that, uh, in that footprint. Gotcha. And it, it basically it's, it's 32 layers of carbon just interwoven, you know, at, at right angles to itself and then, you know, pressed and that's kind of how it's, how it's made. But I mean, it's, it's strong and durable. It's uh, we haven't had any issues at all. We've had, you know, we've been out with carbons for five years. They just been they've been solid for us. Cool. You said you had the T twenty. Is that T twenty four the one you hunt with most often? Yeah, yeah. I've, I have a T twenty four carbon. Do you elk hunt with? Do you run any, especially when you're elk hunting? Do you run any stabilization on it when you hunt with it, or do you just use it? Kind <laughs> I of... do not. I do not. Yeah, I don't. Um, I just think it's it's really nicely balanced. Um, on the on the B series, if I run the B series, I'd probably run a short little back bar to kind of balance it out a little bit. And, and that's a neat thing too. With the design, you can you can literally put weight wherever you want to balance things. Like you can you can put stabilizer on the opposite of your of your site, and you can just you can totally there's enough locations to put weight that you can you can really customize that. But I've I think I think my T24 carbon is just balanced perfect. Even all the T series, they just seem to they're just point and shoot. Um, 
I know. We, I saw you at the ATI. You, you shot pretty much everything. You kept coming back. I remember you're like, oh, I got to try this one. I got to try that one. And you end up settling on that, that B24. But I, I think you shot pretty much everything that I brought. I, a pretty strong feeling that I was going to get something or another. I just wanted to figure out what was the best, what was the thing I wanted the most. Was I going to like the lightweight of the T-Series mm-hmm. more? Was I going to like the adjustability more of the B-Series? And, I mean, if you know me at all, the, the B-Series just fits my personality. I uh, would just constantly right. constantly changing things around. So I think I made a good call there. Um, one thing sure. I may do in, in the future, if I want to you go to a T, now I know exactly, you know, I need this draw length, so that gives me these options, and I want to have it in this poundage, um, and I know I'll be able to work with the string angle this way, and and so I have the ability to, to kind of change around. Um, you know, sure. I, could, I could get a disruptor or a T-series in the future um, and get that weight savings if it's something I want. But to be totally honest, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with the B uh, right now. I mean, it's not it's not heavy. It's just heavier than the, the T-series by comparison. It's like what, right, in, the, right. in the four four and a half pound range or so with uh bare right. bow. Uh, and I, I find that, uh, for stabilization, um, I've tried it both with just a sidebar or a back bar. Um, mm-hmm. and also with a sidebar and a front bar. And mm-hmm. when I'm shooting far, like, like if I'm shooting at 80 yards, for example, I do feel that the bow sits just ever so slightly better for me, uh, with that extra stabilization on there. But I don't know how much of it is, uh, actually the, the bars or if it's just kind of the mass weight that helps, uh, smooth that down a little bit for me, but it's not dramatically different. Uh, if I'm running a quiver, then definitely having a sidebar on helps me a little bit. But if I'm not running a quiver on the side of the bow, I've been shooting it really well with, with no stabilization on it whatsoever. Right. I mean, normally when I'm hunting, uh, when that ammo comes in, I'm, I'm pretty jacked up. I, I, I'm shaking to the point where I don't think a stabilizer is going to help me. Or hurt me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but I was going to ask one thing too. the, um, so just about every bow that you guys have across all the series look fairly similar with the exception of, you know, what appears to be the, the B 34 is that one bow that, um, it almost looks like the riser length is pretty similar, if not the same as the B 30, but the, the limbs are a little bit longer than that one. And it also comes with a little bit quicker speed. Is that one intentionally like an oddball from the group? Well, actually, that that one is, and also the B40. So, you know, basically the the riser plates on the the B30 and the B34 are exactly the same. What we did is we we changed the we basically call it a lift kit. So it changes the angle of the limb, and it brings it up more vertical instead of being a, a path parallel limb like the 30 and the 36. It brings it up a little bit, which will give you a longer axle to axle. But it also gives you a little bit more hand shock, if you will, because of the because of the limb angle when it fires. It's actually the momentum is going forward a little bit, um, and and that it has a little bit more <clears throat> speed as well. It's just that that preload and and the firing. It's about it's about ten feet per second faster than the the thirty. But that's why it you know from the profile standpoint, it it does it looks a little bit. It, it is it's different than the others, but the the basically the machining of the, the side plates they're exactly the same okay on the, on, on the 36 and the 40 and the 30 and the 34 yeah that makes sense so maybe maybe yeah. you got your western guy who's like i'm a i won't shoot any bow less than 33 inches and i like a little bit more speed maybe that's the bow for him sure. whereas, yeah 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 and so there's some people just like that that 34 inch axle axles like 33 34 they're, they're just they're in that's that's what they like for the string angle and where everything sits in their anchor position. That's what they like, you know, so yeah. that's, that's where that is at. Speaking about string angle, what I found actually that works really well for me, uh, is I basically, you know, I run my, my D loop, you know, about as short as I can while still maintaining, you know, the ability to easily clip in. Um, mm-hmm. and then I will put not a kisser button, but I have a nose button on and the, or the, the Bomar nose button, they have a bigger one and a smaller yep. one. I use the bigger one. And so that gives me like, you know, basically the equivalent of a few extra degrees. And then I'm able mm-hmm. to basically get back to full draw, uh, lock my, you know, knuckles around my jaw for the, the face contact with my hand. And then mm-hmm. I can feel that string just ever so lightly right at the corner of my lip. And then that nose button just touches the tip of my nose and then align the, 
um, the people with the, the site housing and that anchor for me feels really good. Sure. When you bring it back, you don't have to search for it or nothing. It's just naturally right there yeah. for you. Yeah. I can close my eyes, just come back to a natural anchor, open them up and everything's right. Like it's like it should be. I, I haven't tried one of those nose button yet. I should probably look at getting one. It seems to be, I've heard some other, some other people rave about them too. So. Cause how, how do you, how do you anchor with yours right now? <clears throat> so I, I've always anchored pretty much the, the front of my lips. Um, and then I, I do, I have a long nose. I can, I do, yeah, I do get my nose on the string, but, um, you know, everything, I don't, nothing on the side, everything is, it's pretty much straight with me, like to the, to the front of my lips and then the, I get the string on the nose and that's my, that's my anchor point. So basically all the way back to my solid back wall, um, fingertips into the into my mouth there my corner of my mouth and then the string on the nose okay that's, my, that's where i'm at and and, the, and got the peep so yeah that was probably for me the thing that i was most you know nervous about was how am i going to like the string angle but i mean mm-hmm. like i said now i'm to the point where i'm used to it it fits me well the way i have it set up and i'm, I'm shooting pretty good with it it's, uh, you, you have any hunts planned for the fall, like uh, Western stuff or just mostly whitetails? Or what, what do you got planned? So this fall, I'm doing North Dakota, South Dakota, Missouri, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Iowa. I may be doing a gun hunt uh, and then potentially another gun hunt in Southeast Minnesota at the end of the year. Wow. Wow, you're going to be busy. All all whitetails too, right? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no elk yeah. this year, no mule deer. Although I have several points built up now for both Wyoming and Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, good deal. Good. I I ended up not drawing any of my elk stuff I put in for, and then at the last I I put one in for the Wyoming uh, deer and antelope. So I'm hoping I can pull pull those two tags and make like a combo out of it um, out of Wyoming. So that's kind of my my hope. And then my my wife drew a Wisconsin bear tag, so we're gonna we're gonna see about getting her a bear here. So oh, nice. They just split up the the zones, if I remember right, for Wisconsin. It used to be yeah for. For 2021, it, it it didn't go in effect yet this year, but next oh, okay. next year they, yeah, next year they make it. Uh, let's see, I think six or seven, I think. Where we we were at four, so yeah, seven. It goes to seven. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be able to manage those units a little bit better. But I, I wonder how they're going to work the point system because some people have a boatload of points, and now let's say they split it all up and you don't need as many points. It's like you know you're going to lose all. You know, it's just. I'm that, not sure how they... That's kind of the boat I'm in. I think I have like seven or eight points, uh, yeah, which would have been yeah. enough to get me just about probably any zone that I would have wanted. Probably anyone but anyone but B, probably. Yeah, B, yeah. B, I think, was a little bit a little bit harder to draw, but... But I probably um, would have went for D anyway, because it's just closer to my house. Yeah. That's that's the unit I've mostly hunted is D, which is like Bayfield or Ashland points. Yep. But um, anyway, my wife, we put in for a C zone, so we're... We're going to be a little bit farther south in the state, but the bear population seems to be expanding into the south. So hopefully we'll work that out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to, you have to send some pictures when you guys are, are, are successful. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be good. Uh, most of my, the people that listen to this, that would be interested in these bows are, you know, like you mentioned, uh, from the saddle hunting community. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the 24 seems to me, like a, a good sweet spot. Um, yeah. Especially if you hunt like I do where you're, you're hunting in the cover uh, or if mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, commonly hunting off the ground and maybe you're tucking in a deadfall or whatnot. It just seems like for the shorter axle to axle, the forgiveness loss does not seem to be dramatic if at all, uh, which, right. which I think is, you know, for me, that's pretty important. I don't feel like I'm at any kind of disadvantage uh, shooting a 24-inch axle-to-axle bow. The way that one's set up with the longer riser, the, the bridge riser, uh, it just it seems to work. So I've been pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. I I have never felt like I've been sacrificing anything shooting our gear versus what I what I used to shoot. It's, I mean, the accuracy holds well for even distance, and it's just – I don't know. I just love shooting it, so I find I shoot more. You yeah. know, it's just, you 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 find or you make time to to shoot in the in that twenty four inch that you you talk. That's we make that in all three models. You know, the T, the the B, and the and the disruptor. I think that's our only 
our only size that we actually make in all three models just because that the 24 is our most popular size as well. Just, just that seems to be the, the size most people, for, for some people going down to a 20 or an 18 is just too much of a step. And then for a 30, it's not that much different than what they are shooting. Like when I go to shows, I usually ask people what, you want to shoot a big bow or a little bow? And they're just like, well, I got a big bow. I want to shoot a little bow. <laughs> and then, then a lot of them will actually keep their bigger bow and they just have a, a smaller bow and they you know, they, they use the different size bows for different applications, almost like someone using a different cartridge for it, whatever they're hunting. You know, it, it's kind of what I see a lot of customers doing that they'll, you know, they're not a one bow person. They're, they're, they have their longer bow and they have their short bow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I, I think this is, you know, a good episode. We covered a lot of good things. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'll definitely be getting my fair share of use out of the, uh, out of the bow this fall. I, I appreciate you inviting us to be on your podcast and I can't wait to see some pictures. I mean, you, you, you have a lot of hunts planned. I mean, you're going to be, whoa. I mean, your family's going to be like, Garrett, where, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife is going to be coming with me on a few of those hunts. Uh, she'll be. Oh, nice. Yep. We nice. got it. She, she started hunting last fall for the first time, um, bow hunting. And, um, so this would be her second season and she's coming out to South Dakota. She'll be coming to Missouri and she'll be hunting locally, uh, in Minnesota and maybe even Wisconsin. So we'll see. Yeah, super. Cool. All right. That sounds good. Awesome. Well, appreciate it. Hey, if you need anything, just a phone call away, all right? Sounds good. That'll do it for this episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content, subscribe to DIY Sportsman. And with that, thanks for listening. <laughs>